Wow, wow, wow. Hello, hey, welcome to the Aaron Forsyth Podcast. The only podcast that doesn't know where it's going to go or end up, but uh, glad you tuned in. If you did, you're probably from here. You know me from the Facebook. You know me from comedy. You might know me from the music history. Who knows? I don't know how you got here, but somehow you got here, and we're all quarantining together. We're killing time. Yes, killing time and just waiting for this all to blow over so we can all get back to normal, but uh, staying clean, staying distant. And uh, doing what we gotta do to make sure, make sure we don't spread the uh, disease. Yeah, well, it's okay, it's all right though. But we're gonna make it through. Hey, I'm shot out of a cannon today. Shot out of a cannon. And you want to know why? Because, well, our podcast was given our first product placement. Yay! Our first. All right, everybody. Yeah, good. Our first. Our first product, you know, I had a friend of mine come to me, he's from Erie, from the Red Eye Roastery, which is coffee bean. It's wholesale straight from the horse's mouth to you. Well, not literally the horse's mouth, but direct, direct from Erie, Pennsylvania, Red Eye Roastery. We're going to do a little plug here, and the reason I'm shot out of a cannon is because I was trying to think of things that uh, I could talk about today. And as I'm doing it, I I ground up some beans. I did the thing. I put it in the old ninja and uh, got it all schlickety dude up. And two cups later, I'm shot out of a cannon. That's the way we go. That's the way coffee should work. And they probably call it red eye for a reason because, oh, you know, I think this is perfect. You know, if I was in gig mode right now, I'd probably have been out late last night burning the midnight oils and uh, saying the wrong thing and drinking the wrong thing and hooting and hollering and going to bed late. And the best thing to get going in the morning is a good cup of joe, good cup of red eye, red eye coffee. So here's what we got going on. They were kind enough to give me a try on this. I got the whole bean. You can actually, when you go to their website, redeyeroastery.com. I don't need to spell it. You know how to spell. You've been to school. But don't worry about it. Just find it online. You can find them on the Instagrams. You can find them on the Facebooks. You go on in there. You order them up. Look at it. It's it's directly to you. In fact, the bag that he sent me was roasted the day before. So it's that, that fresh. Wow. And I got to say, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm shot out of a cannon. I got the caffeine. I'm sure he's got a decaf version. You can ask him about that. But if you do want to order, please do me a favor. Enter promo code Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. And at the end of your transaction, you'll have free shipping. Yay, on me. Free shipping. So don't forget, RedEyeRoastery.com. Let's go to it, folks. Let's get some coffee going. Let's get shot out of a cannon. Let's do it. Let's support local business. Let's keep everybody doing it. And uh, good folks over there. And I'm glad to endorse the product. I'll keep doing it because you know me. I'm not one of those guys who's going to endorse a product that I don't use. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not going to try to sell you a widget that doesn't work. That's not why I'm in the biz. So, without further ado, like I said, promo code Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, redeyeroastery.com. Go get your own coffee and try them on out. Let's do this, folks. All right, we're back to episode three. All right, this is good. This is good. We had some monumental things happen in the world and in the Forsyth household today. We're, uh, I hope, though, let's start everything off. I got to do quick little plugs here. Not really plugs, but uh, just if you want to know how to find me, you can always find me on the, you can always find me on uh, 
the Facebooks, if that's how you know it. You know, send it along. Have some of your friends add me up. I've got plenty of friend space, so uh, and I'll give you links to uh, comedy gigs when they do arrive, and I'll give you kind of links to my friends and some funny little quips and whatnot. And uh, also, I don't know if you guys are on the Twitters. I like Twitter, but I don't get enough trolls and I don't get enough likes. So I need a little validation on Twitter. So if you want to find me on Twitter, you got to go at LTTD. LTTD on the Twitters, and that's where you're going to find the official Aaron Forsyth Twitter. I put some jokes up there every now and then, little quips. I don't get a lot of likes. I got a few of my comic friends, little whatever, you know, but I need a little help, you know, because I'm losing faith in the Twitter. So I need help on that one. Also, too, you can always go to AaronForsythe.com. And, uh, you know, that's usually where I put stuff. It has links to music. It has links to my comedy page. It has links to everything. And uh, it's the middle ground bridge to everything. And also, EerieComedy.com. Yes, I own the .com, EerieComedy.com. It's both the same thing. It'll go to the Aaron Forsythe page. So there it is. There's where you can find me on the social media. But uh, in the meantime, let's see. Well, I'm going to hopefully later on... You're going to hear me test. I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing a little few audio tests here to make sure my phone for, so I can get a little meat on the bone on these podcasts. I'm going to have some of my comic friends call in. I want to start this week. I'm going to call up my friend or he's going to call in Craig Baxter, which we like Craig Baxter. I don't know if you've ever met him before, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you to know him. But in the meantime, I'm going to do an audio test here. And uh, I hope you're enjoying the quarantine so far. Also, later on in the podcast, I'm going to give you suggested reading and suggested watching. So I've got some ideas there. But uh, I hope you're maintaining no touchies. Oh, here, shake. No, oh, no, don't we can't. No touching. No touching. Ah, I'm trying not to yeah. touch you. <laughs> oh, exactly. almost got no. you. No, so close. Oh, no, we can't do that. We can't do this. Oh, you're not touching me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your body feels like because no. I can't touch it. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's where we're going. But uh, right now, here, I'm going to check the phone. My phone's about to ring. And uh, we'll see. We're going to do an audio test because if this works out good, that means I'll have a successful call later on with Craig Baxter. And you're going to get to know him if you don't know him. And if you already know him, you'll know that he is in the eerie comedy scene. He is well-revered. We love him and we love talking to him. And uh, he just makes me laugh. He's just one of my comrades that I just like hanging around in the scene. And uh, next week, we're going to add some more. We're going to start talking to some other folks, too. So that's cool. So let's do an audio check. Let's go. Let's see what comes through. No judgment here on my ringtone. You might recognize it from the Paul Blart. I've been having this ringtone forever, so uh, no judgment. But it's kind of funny because uh, Tina's going to call in. Check one two. Okay, say something. Hello. What's up? All right, we got a little bit of a delay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how's it going out there in the living room? You're sitting next to the dog. Everything's going good, right? Everything's going really good. All right, all right. We got an audio check. Okay. All right, well, this is good to know. I can now officially go online. Uh, just keep talking to me, honey. Just say something. All right. So we're in real I'm time. I'm watching Mr. Deeds. What are you watching? Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. I don't even know what yeah, that is. I, it's Adam Sandler. Oh, Adam Sandler. Yes. Okay. Now, yeah. can, can you hear me as we're talking? I can. Okay. Is it is it, how loud is it? Are you having a hard time hearing me talking? Not at all. I can hear you just fine. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, good. This is a good audio test. I'm going to hang up now, honey. Enjoy what you're watching and I will get back to the podcast. Okay. Alrighty, have fun, baby. I love you. Bye. I love you. All right, there you have it. There you have it. So now we're in line here. We're gonna. Uh, I'll tune in a little later in the show. Here we're gonna uh, do a quick segment, and then we're gonna go. We're gonna. We're gonna give Craig Baxter a call and uh, get some ins and outs of my friend 
the man, the myth, the legend, Craig Baxter. But of course, so I was suggesting, you know, you're in quarantine. We don't got a lot of things to do. So we're looking for things to read, looking for things to watch. So here it is. My new segment, it's going to be Aaron's Entertainment for the Week Suggestions. Not bad. I like a little bit of theme music for it. All right. Well, you know, if you're a book reader, I got this one, and I and I, and I stormed through it a little while ago, but I keep going back because it's got certain elements in it that you want to have. The book is called Sick in the Head, and it's by Judd Apatow. It's conversations about life and comedy, and it includes interviews. And basically what it is, you don't have to be a comic to enjoy it. You just have to kind of be aware of who Judd Apatow is. He's, he, of course, you know, is a, is a movie maker, a writer, sometimes a stand-up, but he's been everywhere. He knows everybody. He's, he's, part, of the, he's part of the entertainment lexicon, if you will, and uh, definitely a suggested book. What's cool about it, every chapter is it's an alphabetical order but he goes by different years where he took the time to uh, have interviews and little things and notes that he had talked to everybody that he knew along the way so like say part one it's adam sandler 2009 it's like a 15 page little read and then you got you know albert brooks amy schumer chris rock eddie vetter you know uh he gives an oral history on freaks and geeks uh, Gary Shandling, so and Jerry Seinfeld, Jimmy Fallon. The list is endless when you see the table of contents within it. But each chapter is a good read. So if you're going to bed or if you're sitting on the can and you want to do a good read, I'm telling you, this is a good one. This is a good one. It's called Sick in the Head by Judd Apatow. A good book. I got it on the Kindle, but uh, you don't have to Kindle. You can find the, you know, just go to the Amazon bookstore or... Uh, you know, just download it. I don't know. You can find it. It's not hard to do. There's bonus interviews at the end. The newest, the newest one has like a Maria Bamford and Eric Idle one. I also a good David Sedaris one too as well. Uh, all kinds of people from Steve Martin, Roseanne Barr, you name it. Sarah Silverman, Spike Jones, Stephen Colbert, everything. This guy has talked to everybody, and he ties in a lot of his stories. And you, you have to be kind of just open to just hear it. It's, it's good. It's good. I, as a comic, there's a lot of tips in there. You know, the Jerry Seinfeld one was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I got, I got a lot out of it and I think you will too. So there's my suggested reading for the week. Uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, for watching, I'm going to give you something cool. I'm going to try to play the trailer here. I can get the audio to it. It's not going to sound that great, but if you have Amazon prime, in fact, I'm going to suggest, I, this is, they aren't paying me for this, but I'm going to suggest you get Amazon Prime right now because not only because through quarantine we don't want to be out in stores, it's good to just have things delivered right to your door. So if you buy a pony up the 100 or so a year, you get the free shipping and the overnight stuff, and uh, good to have. You also have access to the Amazon Sonic Library for music, but uh, they also have their own viewing their their own movies and tv shows well there's a series in there and uh, really really deep and cool um it's called it's on amazon prime you got to tune into it it's called tales from the loop okay tales from the loop it's eight hour long episodes and they do somewhat tie in towards the end at first you're going to be like wow this is kind of weird uh, the breakdown is basically inspired by the wondrous paintings of Simon Stalinhog. Tales from the Loop explores mind-bending adventures of the people who live above the loop. And the loop is a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe. They never really try quite tell you what it does. Spoiler alert, I'm sorry. But it basically, everything relegated to science fiction becomes possible so every episode has a different person's point of view that lives in this town and how it ties into the loop and and oh, i don't even want to give it away i i feel like i'm giving away too much but everyone's got a tale of isolation but yet they're unified 
in the city by the strange happenings of what the loop does. But wow, it's cool. The cinematography's killer. The 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 uh, the tech in it. Sometimes, like you'll think it's like in 1980, but then they'll have like a robot walking around in the background that you'll be like, wait a minute, how does this tie? So everything like set wise and design wise is just incredible. The acting is top notch. I can't I can't speak highly enough of it. It was really cool. It did leave me kind of somber and left me kind of like, whoa. Every episode kind of does leave you like, whoa. Like you almost got to think about it for a few minutes and you're left with that kind of emptiness, but yet you got to kind of kind of decipher what you just watched. So it's really worth it. It's totally cool. Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. I'm going to suggest it. So there it is. There's your suggested by Aaron stuff to watch and check out or read or do while you're in quarantine. What else do you got to do? You're just going to be sitting there anyway, drinking alcohol at night and Zooming your friends. Speaking of Zooming the friends, I did that. You know, I... I got to say it was it was a good recharge. It was a good recharge. I zoomed with some of my old uh well, I would say high school into early band years friends. We were all a lot of them you might know. They were uh they're musicians and and people you know in the Erie community. Rome Kakamo, he runs World of Music. You might know him. Mike Jones, he was my old guitar player in Cyclone in 94. I hadn't talked to him or seen him face to face. We had John Hall he was the singer in the band Sixth Sense, and uh, yeah, we lived together in the '90s. Mike Anderson, he was he was there. We were we were like the Five Amigos back in the day, you know, when we were just listening to metal music and growing our hair long and defying the world and sneaking cigarettes and drinking beers and just being rebellious young teens. We were all very centered, but we. But, you know, real life, you kind of drift away a little bit. And we all periodically talked through weddings and funerals and things. And we all kept in touch. And, but it was really cool via the Zoom app. We all, we all reconnected. And, and I got to say, I, you know, I was kind of lacking a little bit of, I don't want to say validation, but I was feeling a little empty. Like I was, my soul was kind of through the course of not being able to do shows and, and see my friends and high five other friends. I got a soul recharge out of this. I got a good soul recharge. So I'm also going to suggest too, you know, if you don't, if you don't listen to me or my suggestions that I have for the, for, for the movies or books, what do you got to lose? Call an old friend, reconnect. That's what it's about. I think, I think this is the one glorious thing. The most beautiful thing about the quarantine and the whole coronavirus forcing us all to stay indoors, it's making us realize we love our home life or hate it, depending on where you're at. But everything, and I mean everything, is of value. You forget what you took for granted. Things become important. But do when you do lose your way, you got to reconnect with those old friends, the ones that made you belly laugh, the ones when you were a kid and you guys were just like arm punching each other and laughing and giggling and, and time didn't matter. You know, you just hung out with, get everybody on the zoom app. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it'll be a soul recharge. We're going to do it again next Friday. And I'm going to ask their permission if I could maybe, uh, if I could maybe bring up what we talked about and stuff like that. I don't, I, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but we did have a few laughs. So, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, it's just what the doctor ordered. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood again. I, so I love those guys dearly. And so don't lose touch with your friends. Okay. Now, speaking of friends, all right, I'm going to dial the phone here. I'm going to get them on the horn and we're going to go to the next segment. The next segment is going to be, here we go, the talk with the one, the only, Craig Baxter. He, I'm going to preface this. I know he's probably not going to hear me say this part of it, but uh, you don't know. And when this all breaks, I want you to come to a comedy show because eight times out of ten, who will be on the bill with me? We always do shows together because we're in the same comedy class, comedy family, you might say. And uh, he's just an overall good dude. He's awkward. He just, he's kind of, 
He's he's very polite. He's kind of deadpan. He doesn't have the energy that some of us have, but his brilliance comes out in his jokes. Ugh. All right, we're going to get into why, how. I don't know. If, I hope this translates over the phone, but uh, I'm going to tell you, he's one of my favorites in the comedy scene, Craig Baxter. Okay, we got Craig Baxter on the line. One of my favorites. He knows this. He knows this. Craig, are you with us on the phone? Yeah, I am, man. Hey, how are you? Oh, good, good, good. Okay, so so for the listeners out there, we're just kind of doing our thing here. I, I hope you got a good phone connection. If it cuts out, we'll try to we'll try to circle back on things, but uh, I think we're good, right? Yeah, we seem excellent. So we can always edit, So, but it seems like we're good to go. Oh, good, good, good. So, of course, we're not going to do this in person. Normally, we would if we weren't in the old shit-down quarantine. Uh, but So we're going to do it phone, safe distance, keeping our hands clean away from each other. But, uh, you know, I preface this. You didn't hear this before, before I called you on the phone. I was just telling folks out there about how... Of course, we've been doing the past, what, two years together doing comedy gig. Pretty much 75% of the shows we did, we did together. You know, we're, you know, we're in the same comedy class, the same comedy, comedy circle around here. And, uh, and I, I told him you were one of my favorites. It's, and, and there's a, and there's a good reason why I hope they get to know you through this one. But, uh, so, so let's tell, let's tell everyone out there. Okay. So what you're clearly a stand-up comic what the what, what, just like myself we all got shut down on the quarantine what what have you been doing on the quarantine what tell, tell us about your brain what happened when you got the call that room 33 gig was canceled that was the last one we had in line yeah you know that meeting i was i hear a lot about it from my family because they live here and uh they're watching the news constantly like typical old people right uh-huh. so i got uh I was looking at you guys like, are we seriously going to do this when they're starting to shut down the whole country? So when I finally got the news, I thought, oh, yeah, that's what, what I kind of thought. But um, but it was a bummer because, you know, we're really getting in a roll there. You know, it's been since, what, the summer before that we started doing those. And you and I were doing the open mics for how to be, what, a year prior to that. I can't believe it has been two years, but it has. So, yeah. Um, but that's great, you know, and I, I see everybody making progress. I see us making mistakes, too, you know, but... Um, we're a cooperative group here in here, so it's been uh, very encouraging. I know, and I, I, I'm sure you were feeling the same way. Like you were saying, we, by the time we got to the this this last few stretch of Room 33 gigs, everyone was catching their wings. You know, I, I could, I know with me, I was feeling that thing where all all the segues and all and all the 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 schmick that we do was all really we are all honing our personalities. We, we had enough gigs and mileage under our belts. You know, and I was, I, I, I was just excited to see where the next step was taking us because we were all really coming out of our shit. You know, there's a point, and you know the point. You remember that point when you felt we were all open micers, but then there's a point when we all start doing real gigs, you know, and we were like finding our personalities. And, and I felt like we were all right at that precipice of, wow, there's a beautiful things going on here. And, and there it is. Yeah. You know? You, know, you know, everybody, I think a lot of the people get discouraged, right? Because if you go on stage, and the whole thing doesn't go great. You remember the periods of silence. You remember the crickets. You know, you remember when, uh, yeah, I don't know if the audience members leave early because they got to get out of there for the night. You know, oh, you remember yeah. all that. So it's, um, it, it, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's encouraging now that we're finally getting to the point where we can do some good shows. You know, I mean, I think it's, I can see a difference, a big difference between us and professionals, but it's really encouraging that we can do. 10, 15, even 20 minutes, you know, I can just go up there without notes and just do it. Although I don't know if I can now, this quarantine's probably put me out of practice, but uh, we'll be back soon, I hope. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. I think, I think you know, I don't know if it's going to be like, oh, it's like riding a bike or if we're going to face plant when we first get it back out. But who knows? Who knows? That, that, that'll that be the beauty. Maybe it'll feel fresh again. Maybe it'll be like this whole new renaissance because I don't know. I don't know. Uh but, yeah, I mean, I know to me, I'm just trying to use the time if I can write and get some other stuff in place, and then I'll I'll have stuff for open mics to just try it, and then if that works, incorporate it in. And I was sick for that month. One of your questions of what I did, I was down most of March, so I still worked, but uh, I was kind of just trying to recover. So 
for me, I just, it's just like a black hole, you know, it's mm-hmm. just gone time that I don't remember. But, um, you now didn't, you didn't I'm have the Corona the, though. You didn't have any of the Corona. You just had a standard cold. I remember. I think so. Yeah. Although, you know, I talked to some friends on that zoom last night. They're all over the country. They used to be on rock climbing friends from Cleveland, Ohio. And, one of them got it. They live out in Seattle, which was hit pretty hard. Oh, yeah. And they didn't seem any worse than I was, and they also had lasted for a few weeks. So uh, when I went to the doctor before I went back to work, they said, oh, yeah, you've had it. It's long. It, it wouldn't have been that long of an illness, so you must not have had that. But I, I'm starting to wonder, and actually, if I did have it. Oh, we cut, you cut out there. Wondering if you had it. All right, shit. I lost a signal here. I'm going to call him right back. Don't worry. Stay right here. Okay. Back in action. Yeah, we're back. How are you doing? We lost you at the point. You said uh, a friend from Seattle got it, which, yes, okay. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had some friends online. That's because of the rock climbing, but... uh, yeah, one of them had it, and it lasted for several weeks for them, even though my doctor let me go back to work saying, well, it couldn't have been coronavirus because yours lasted for like over a month, but now I'm starting to wonder. So maybe it didn't have it, and now I've got immunity, which would be great, because then I can go back to doing comedy gigs as soon as they open the country and we're, we're good to go. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I got to wonder. I know. Is it going to be one of those things where it's going to be uh... – everyone wearing masks so we won't be able to tell if they're laughing or not or is it going to be like for us comics it's gonna i wonder if it's going to be a bring your own microphone situation you know what i mean i don't know you know since we didn't stop working and i have a lot of people where i work in the factory it's like 300 so we're wearing masks as of last week Uh, we weren't uh, prior to that but um like that first it's, what the hell is this it's like Halloween you know you got a costume on what, what's going on but after that you know you get used to it and some of the masks are way better than others so um, you know it's no problem yeah yeah I know I, I guess we just gotta wait and see it's all speculation but uh, so you were talking to your friends from Cleveland isn't okay now correct me if I'm wrong th- that's where you originally came from before you came to the mighty Mecca of Erie where are you from tell, tell us about how you got in this comedy i mean clearly you were doing it a year few before i met you so what happened what what turned you into what turned you into the guy who wants to go out and talk to people on a microphone How, how'd that come about you know the first i really remember george Carlin, which would have been mid late 80s you oh. know he had i don't know how many hbo specials i think he had like like just cranking the material uh, and a lot of comics forget that kind of volume of material. But I remember listening to that, and um, we even took the tape with us. I remember we were listening to it. We went on vacation in Hawaii in 1986, and we were listening to that tape. Mm-hmm. My parents thought we were going to get in trouble for listening to it too loud, but uh, one guy's like, no, I want to listen to that too. He's one of the other people on vacation out there. But, but then I never had any outlet. Like They didn't have anywhere to do it. And I went through high school, college, and maybe they had something at state college, I don't know, but um, then I just went into a career. Didn't see that as real, you know, real opportunity to make money, but um, since I got to Cleveland, Cleveland was a bigger city, you know, and, and there was a chance to try it. They had the funny stuff there, which I know you performed at. Uh-huh. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I tried it, but then I didn't do another one for like a year or two for their open mic, even though it went pretty well. And exposed to rock climbing, but then I always do comedy. It's just um, Frank. I was wanting to do it myself. I could get better, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know, just because when you first get up there, it's intimidating. So, but I did that, and then I did some more when I moved back to Erie. Uh, what two, three years ago, I thought there wouldn't be any spirit, but they do have Junior's Comedy Club. And since that time, there's been a few people, uh, and uh, Dan Brady and uh, Anthony Morelli, who have uh, put some shows on locally for local comics, and the, the scene has started to grow. So it's way better than I would have thought. So it's 
still, you know, a lot of audience, but really it's been a lot of fun. They, and they're posting stuff at clubs, plus at bars and that. So it's been, it's been a good progression the last two years, I think, for everybody who's stuck with it. Yes, it really had. That was one thing I had noticed, you know, and it's funny, like I talked to like folks like from around here that were into it before, you know, you, you talk to somebody like Dan or you talk to somebody like Anthony or, or Joe Summers or Eric Bachman, they were doing it before us, but I, they didn't really have much of an outlet, so they're trying to find gigs. Da, da, da. But I, I feel like, like about the time I started, you know, we all were trying. Somehow, it congealed to a better thing. Like all of a sudden, the gigs, like gigs, were instead of being back room, you know, to four people, we started turning these gigs into actual real shows. You know what I mean? And and shoot ahead a year and a half later, it's like. Like you were at like the Geneva show that I threw, you know, things like that, that are just like, wow, things are gangbusters. It's like almost, I, I, I see it like just growing. It was growing week by week, month by month and everyone just getting better at it and just more people being accepting of, of, you know, four or five guys and gals just talking into a microphone, telling dick jokes. I mean, it, it, it's really kind of a, a great time to be a comic. It really, I, I couldn't imagine it six years ago, you know? Yeah, I, you know, and I think part of it might be that people have access to so much entertainment, but it's all electronic. It's on their phones. It's on, you know, super 4K HDTV and all this stuff and, you know, special effects in movies, but there's something about live entertainment, you know? Even if you have a pop band, you get their album, but then, you know, there's something different about seeing them live. Yes, yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah, especially if they bomb. You know, it's. I think it, it's entertaining for the uh, <laughs> the audience. You know, just because it's something different. I mean, everything else is so edited. Like regular TV shows, sitcoms, they have they take out like microseconds, and everything's perfect. And you know, the real world isn't like that. Even you know, Jerry Seinfeld. You see him live. It's not the same as an edited version of Jerry Seinfeld. So. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. And I think the audience sees that too. It's, it's, a, it's a nice break for them after working all day, coming to a club. I know that that's what I liked. I mean, you knew me, I came from the music thing and there, and the music, th there's a point when I think enter people that want to be entertained, they, they, a lot of times, you know, after sometimes they don't want a loud rock bands blowing their faces off, but sometimes they don't want, you know, I think everyone's getting desensitized to this whole, uh, another acoustic guy, another guy with an acoustic guitar during happy hour. But for some reason, I always, I always build my shows as perfect date nights because I always thought the comedy show is the ultimate date night. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you were to take a girl to a comedy show or comedy club, you get them laughing and boom, you're in. I mean, that is like the ultimate, ul ultimate aphrodisiac. I always said making somebody laugh. You know what I mean? And I, th and I think you that's, know, Yeah. It really brings people together. It's probably one of the best things that brings the two sexes together because we don't think exactly alike. And um, even see it in the comics, there's like way more guys than women. The women that stick with it usually are very good, mm -hmm. but a lot of them don't even want to do it. It's just, a, I don't know if it's cultural or if it's the way people are. If it is, I don't know, nature versus nurture, it's hard to say, honestly. Yeah, I I do. That is one thing. I wish we had more female comics in the eerie scene. Well, I mean, we've got a couple there floating around, but yeah. I but I I see you know for the moment it's a sausage party, but not all that. I I mean, I see some good girls out there, and especially when we get into you know when you go to Buffalo and you go to Cleveland and Pittsburgh, there's some strong female comics out there that, that I I wish we had more of those. I wish it was fifty fifty because they do offer a a whole whole different outlook on on a take on a joke you know like you 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 always absolutely are, are you one of those types like i love i love comics and i like this with music too i like comics who don't do what i do or they say what i could never say so so an irreverent girl or or somebody who has a different style than mine i just love it i love it because i know i'm not gonna do that you know what i mean oh yeah, absolutely. Well, they're so different to me. I'm, so many of them will do relationship humor, and women seem to have a much better grasp of that. To me, my whole life is endurance sports and this analytical comedy, very specific things, you know. But that's just how my mind is. I, I would never write what they write because 
don't think like that. And right. I don't think either one is good or bad. I just, I, I actually like the variety too. So yeah, and hopefully we'll get a few more in the scene. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I know, I know that that's what we're looking forward to. I know, I know. Yeah, I could, I could not see you doing a Tinder joke. You're not that guy because I'm pretty sure you're no. not. On, <laughs> that's not your bad. No, no. What I like talk about my uncle doing. Right, right. Well, see, a lot of the people that don't know you that are listening, they haven't seen your act yet. But like the one thing we, I always say to Craig, I, a lot of okay. Here's the thing you might learn if you're not a comic. Sometimes we spend a lot of time doing the segue in between jokes, and you're the guy which I always admired. You never, you're not a segue guy. The you had a shocking. Ch- you're you would go from koala rape into into another joke that would have nothing to do with it, like something about the shopping cart, you know. And I don't want to give your bit away because it's a, it's a brilliant bit, but. It, did now was that a conscious effort not to not to have these smooth segues and make a conversation or did you is that your style do you consider that your thing like just saying a shocking shocking premise setup punchline and then moving on to the next I, part I think it's by chance but it seemed to work you know basically I was just trying to get material down early on that worked I kept trying different things and then I just threw the stuff together that worked it didn't necessarily have anything to do with each other. Like you said, I'm talking about, I don't know, I've got, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, and then I'm talking about um, pubic hairs, you know? I mean, it's like it has nothing to do with each other. <laughs> right. But um, but I, and maybe later, because I've watched professional comics, maybe later I'll get more into the segues to join those together. But I think, I feel, even though I've been doing this for years, it's, it's still really early on. So to me, I just need to get a set of material down so we could, from the open mic to the 12, 15, 20-minute shows, mm-hmm. and then I can put together differently, you know, as I have more material that I know consistently and have the audience will like. No, no. I, I think it's brilliant. I love that. And I think the crowd responds to it, too, because you have a, a, an, a weird, awkward—I don't want to say weird, just an awkward— comfortability that switching from one premise to the other is the surprise factor like you tell like I said the shopping cart bit you know and by time you hit the punchline and everyone's laughing at that one you have a slight pause and with that slight pause there's everyone's on the edge of their seat waiting for okay what's he gonna say next and then you go so anything, koala rape, you know, and then the crowd just busts into a whole nother because you took them from a left turn to a right turn and it's like you're whiplashing them back and forth. And that that is the element of surprise that a lot of us lack, you know, and that's what I always thought was brilliant, you know. Well, I think I and I think I could transition them with segues in some cases, but the even a valuable part to that is that the reason I don't is because I'm cutting the jokes down to as little as possible. So there's as little dead time in there. I mean, I could tell a long story with one funny, uh, reveal at the end, but they have to listen all that time to get one thing. Whereas if I cut these down, to just little things, little short bits, the part that's funny, then they're entertained. And it's also nice for them that they start drinking and stop paying attention. What I'm saying now really has nothing to do with what I said 45 seconds ago. Exactly. Exactly. That that I know. It's almost it's it's kind of like the approach of like say Stephen Wright would have the same thing or like a a Mitch Hedberg, you know, where they would just set a quick setup, a quick punchline, a pause, and they're on to the next one, you know. And yeah, that that's an art in itself. I mean, a lot of us can't do this. I mean, there's comics you see that are great storytellers, and then there's some of them that are just like really great self-deprecation, and then there's the crowd work guys, and then but you're the I don't want to call it one liner. You're more like a two three liner at a time. But there's that that's a style you've mastered that, and that, and, and it's such a rarity to see somebody good at that. That's that's what we all admire. Yeah, it's uh, and I, you know, I think all those are good. You know, you might listen to like before you get accused of rape. Cosby was a great storyteller, right? Or uh, one of these other guys. But um, I would also throw Dangerfield, and he had such a different type of style than Hedberg and Stephen Wright. He also had all very short jokes. I never heard him a really long story. 
although he would have one story about self-deprecating relating to his wife or his sex life, and they all went together as though they were a story, but really it was just four or five jokes in a row that were related to the fact that his life was a disaster, and his character worked great. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I remember reading something on Dangerfield about that, how he, you know, in his late 40s, he developed that style, but his first round, like, he he was telling actual long form jokes and 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 they worked for him on a certain level but it wasn't until he broke the box with that whole short style which and once you develop that persona that comedy persona that every you know that you have i i see it with some of our friends our local peers you know they're developing it it's it's a beautiful thing to see you know cuz like we, we we are all open micers, and and in theory we're always going to be open micers. I mean, until we quit our day jobs. But there's that point when you you're throwing everything against the wall. You don't know what it means. You did that, and we're doing our schlickety do. But man, like I said right before this quarantine, those of you who are listening, man, some everybody was getting really tight. You know, it was really good. If you came to a local comedy show, everybody was really getting on point. Those characters. And I don't even want to call it characters. It's more the magnification and honing of our personalities that we do to turn it into jokes. But how how things would just unfold and just it we we were it, we almost felt like I felt like we're, you're looking at people that could be famous tomorrow. But for some reason we're we're shipwrecked and eerie, and here we are doing our thing. But but we it's there. It's there. The elements of, of greatness are there. And I, and I saw it. I saw it with you. I saw it with Anthony. I see it. You know, you see it across the board that how everybody was just growing, growing. And and I yeah. can't wait to see where the next couple of years go. Is it, I yeah, me too. Because I think we're having fun too, you know, and I, I think the people will stick with it. I wasn't sure at first, but I think now this group, I, I think most of them will, will tough it out because they're having a good time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think so too. You know, and I think everyone's going to be so eager to get out of here, you know, and get out and get and get laughing again. Maybe the maybe maybe we'll have new stories to tell. You know, maybe maybe the civilians will come on out and 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 actually just just because they're eager to get out and see us. Maybe maybe it'll be a whole thing. Maybe maybe it'll, you know, I'm I'm picture I'm picturing a a new renaissance happening once once it lets go. You know, and in the fall. <laughs> At first, I, I think so. I, the, the exciting thing is we don't know when, right? We don't know what's going to happen with the virus. Is it May? Is it August? Is it November? I mean, I guess that's possible. I can't believe it's going to take that long, but it could. And nobody knows. So we're just going to um, we're going to see what happens when we get out there. People, but even already, people have this pent up desire to get out. So uh, I would think whenever it does open, there's going to be a bigger audience because people are afraid of the virus, but. Um, they're stuck their houses, frankly. I think so too. I think so too. And and the funny thing is, we play a lot of rogue gigs. You know, like I could see like a place like Room Thirty Three, where you got a lot of elbow room, being a bigger hit than some of these like smaller places where they're like an actual comedy club. They were crammed in like sardines. You know, and I that might be a little might be a little bit behind you know that might take a while to catch back into that mode but i could see like the some of the bigger bars that we were playing and some of the clubs and things you know where there is ample space to kind of spread the wings a little i i think i think it's going to go good i think it's good and and we're going to have stories we're going to have stories yeah, they'd almost have to, they'd almost have to take some chairs out of some of those clubs it's, i'm thinking like the jamestown open mic's always fun to go to, but it's not a lot of rooms so it's tough to even get more than 25, 30 people in there. Oh, yes, um, yes, the Labyrinth, yes, yes. For those listening out yeah. there, we every Thursday we go out to Labyrinth, uh, which is a small little coffee shop. Karate Sleepover guys put it out. And uh, always fun, always always a good receptive crowd. It's small, but I liked it. I liked it. It almost felt like you were at a at a hipster book club, but it was just yeah. cool. Everyone was good. They're, yeah, good folks out there. And uh, they do a great job putting that together out there. No, well, here's what I can't wait. What, you know, I keep saying this: we're going to make more gig stories. But you know what? I love hearing stories about comics from doing their thing. Tell me about one. Give me, give me. What, 
what, what was there a gig for you that you go, this is the best gig. I think I finally arrived. Do you know the one where you're in the car and you're driving home and instead of pounding the steering wheel, you're actually going, I think I can do this. This is going to be great. Do you, do you remember, do you have anything in your head of those stories? I, I think too, the, the first one, Mike, I did was actually pretty good. And that was really encouraging. But I, I remember now that I think about it, I had notes. I had a little, almost like a card size thing. And that was only to get through five minutes. So, but that was back in God, 2013 or 14. I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think this last year I was really encouraged by the end. Well, it's really the start of the year, but before the virus, you know, it's like before Christ, not before virus. Um, we did the Valentine's Day show, and there were what, four of us: Eric, Joe, yourself, and I. Yes, and yes. We were at that winery in Youngsville. Really good. Yeah, and the audience was a lot of fun, and it was just in a little ski chalet there in the middle of winter, freezing cold, but. Uh, the guy had a new business or uh, he had turned the skiers into his own restaurant basically. And he just wanted to have some people out and, and do an evening dinner. So, uh, it was a fun Valentine's day for them. Great date night for the, for the audience. And, uh, I was able to do that when I think with, I know I didn't have any notes and it had to be 16, 17 minutes, something like that. So that was really encouraging to get to that point where, I could memorize enough to get through that. So that was great. And then I went off to Florida. I came back and, and the plan exploded. But nonetheless, it was an encouraging show. I remembered. I rem- In fact, when I talk about my top five favorite shows, that was one of them. And, and I'll preface it by saying I, I believe it was a, a winery in Youngstown and Joe Summers got the gig. It was you, him hosting and then, uh, then uh, Eric Bachman and you and then I closed it and that for me was a great show too. Me being, I had never, I think I wrote, I had Tina tape my set and I was like at 28 minutes and without notes, 28 minutes, like that was the longest I ever did. I mean, I knew I was stretching. I was even just improv and crowd working and, and just working it. But by the end of it, I was exhausted, but I really felt, uh, and I knew you did good. You were topping into the 18, 20 minute mark yourself with no notes. You know, we were all just, we were just all on point that night. And, and I just, I was just driving home thinking, wow, wow. I think I got it. I think, you know, I could, I could conceivably see myself, you know, as, as a strong feature actor, you know, I mean, of course I da- we all daydream about the headliner, but I, I, I don't think too far ahead. I just, I just want to be a strong feature. But that was it. You're right. You're right. That was a strong one. And you did killer. You yeah, did killer. I, yeah, thank you. I, you know, and I don't like to rate it because my thinking is I do see all the thing that's wrong. Whenever I play it back and I listen to it, I think, oh, that wasn't right. Or this, even sometimes I totally misspeak, you know, it's like, oh, I have the joke again. I read it 20 times. But when you get up there with the spotlight on you, you make a mistake. But, um, but we got through it with the audience doing, you know, thinking that it was a decent show. Yeah. And, me, it's all about the growth long term. Whatever little things go good or bad, the fact that we were getting to that point, we could do that many minutes. People were having fun, and um, you know, it was just great. You know, it, it, it's a lot more than an open mic, and it was really only, like you say, within a year or two of when we really started doing these frequently. Right, right. And now I'm also going to say this too, because anyone out there who is a comic or anyone out there who's thinking about and just listening to this going, oh man, huh, Mr. Big Pants there. No, it's not Mr. Big Pants, because here's what happens. We, you go home from a gig like that. You feel like king of the world. Oh, you can conquer anything. And, uh, okay, let's shoot it. That was a Saturday night. Let's shoot ahead to say Tuesday or Wednesday. We did the next show and I bombed completely you know what i mean it's like uh three steps forward two steps back you know and you know that feeling oh you know that feeling i know you do because it's it's oh and that's the beauty and 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 the i call it like it's like surfing it's it's you're just surfing the wave for a while and then the next wave comes up and boom it takes you under and and it and you never you always think you have it for a short time, but then you fall off, you fall right off into the wave. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, I call it the car. It's karma's way of keeping me humble. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't, you don't, and you don't see too many people be cocky with this sort of live entertainment because, 
it's so harsh when you screw it up and everybody screws it up a lot early on. It's oh, only a question of how good you can get around it, you know? Yes. So, you know, to me, I just get it like, Hey, we're making progress. We're having fun. So I'm happy with it. But I know very, I just expect, in fact, I'm surprised when it does go well, cause I figured things are not going to go well. I don't know why I think like that, but, um, a lot of times it doesn't, and and uh, but we'll see, we'll see. You know, I'm optimistic when we get back out there that we have at least enough of a local scene that we can build. To me, it, as long as we're making progress, I think it's a good thing, oh, uh, yeah. even though there's always mistakes along the way. Right, right, yeah. Every yeah, we all try to grow in our own little well, but. But ultimately, you know, I see it. I, I always see comics, or when I'm on a bill, I always try to think of it like I'm just one of the four wheels on the bus, and I can't be the flat tire to make the bus go off the road. So I just got to make sure my my shit's on point. And I, and I, I I'm pretty sure most comics try to think the same way. It's not it's not about trying to smoke the next guy or or be better. It's it's just we we want to get better for ourselves. You know what I mean? And just maintain the show and keep entertainment going. I mean, that's the whole thing. That's what a show is about yeah yeah so it's but like you say it doesn't i'm thinking back to i don't know what was it a couple few months earlier we did one of the geneva shows and i did terrible at that one oh. i couldn't remember stuff i it was jaggedy it was i hadn't memorized it oh horrendous the crowd wasn't even listening even though they were a good audience it was totally my performance and uh you know but if you get through that and you do another one you know you learn so yeah. I'd been. I was happy when we got to the start of this year because I was just trying to get a 15-minute set of material that I could remember in order. And actually, it messed me up for the one show in Cleveland, the Cleveland Comedy Awards, because that was like six or eight minutes or something. And I was trying to memorize at the gym every day. I go to the gym and memorize my notes for the 15, and then I cut stuff out. But then that threw off the order of the joke. That just really messed me up. But. Um, you know, it happens. It's a learning curve. It is. Yeah, and you're talking, the Cleveland Comedy Open, for those of you who don't know, it was at 4th uh, and Pickwick or whatever, Cleveland Comedy Open, and all the greatest comics from the tri-state area get into this. I did it earlier in the season, and that was probably my worst bomb. That was one of the ones I almost, I almost frisbeed my book out on the highway on the way home. I bombed so hard. And I didn't bomb because I was super bad. I just couldn't remember my things. Like I was caught up in the moment and kind of like overwhelmed because I knew everybody there was on point. And the one time I didn't have the eye of the tiger, the one gig I wanted to really smoke, I blew it. I blew it. Oh, oh it was cringy. It was cringy. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and it hurts too. It's tough too because the real club there in Cleveland, if you did well, you know the club owner's going to remember and they're great people, actually. Yeah, but, yeah, they're um, really nice. Really you know, nice. It, I remember you said your girlfriend had to keep you from throwing the book out, but, you know, I mean, I was hoping yeah. you'd stick with it, and sure enough, we did, and I'm sure you'll be back here within, uh, well, I don't know where it'll be now with the virus, but probably, at least by fall, you'll be able to get back there. Oh, there, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. I guess we'll just try to keep it local for, for as long as we can. I know. Now, now we talk about shows. Do you remember? Okay, give me a bomb story, or give me a, a a thing when when people weren't liking Craig Baxter. Do you, do you have anything in your head? Do you have a story that you could tell people that that about that the bomb? I repressed part of it, <laughs> but, but I do remember early on when I would go because I did the one or two open mics in Cleveland at the funny stuff. But I had then the one year, I think it was 2015. I finally did like 10 or 12 of them that year. So I was doing at least one a month, but it wasn't like a couple of weeks. And I remember I had a couple of times there. I did shows where I literally couldn't remember anything I was going to tell them. And I had a complete silent block for, I don't know. It had to be felt like an hour, but it, I think it was like 20 seconds when I played it back. I couldn't remember what I was going to say. And it was so awkward. It's like it couldn't have been worse like cricket. But um, I don't know. I guess I learned to, to recite and rehearse material more after that because uh, I've certainly been trying to do that the last year or so because it's, it's really painful when it goes that bad. <laughs> yes, I guess. Well, you well, you were all... Here's one I, 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 I think you might have forgot, Craig. Now, this was great. Now, I love... People that don't know comics, some of us comics, we watch, we watch our peers, we'll be in the back of the room. 
you know. And mm-hmm. I remember the remember the room thirty three. You told you one of your classic bits was about. I don't want to give away the bit, but you said the she has her own baby, the white trash baby Lexi, spelled L. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, all right. So. Craig tells this wonderful joke, which is which is funny. It's just about misspelled baby names, white trash baby names. I won't give it away. You'll have to see it in person because it's one of his one, one of my favorites. So I'm in the back by the bar, and this white trash girl, uh, she goes. I could hear her go. He's an asshole. What an asshole! And holds up her middle finger and storms out. And you, you were flabbergasted. We were busting out laughing. We were literally pissing our pants laughing because apparently whatever you said in the joke must have been her name. Maybe. I don't know. It was like, do you, you remember that one, right? I do. I, you know, and I guess the best thing about it is that she was so drunk and she left. So we can just make up our own story. Cause we don't know what she was even pissed about. Yeah. Um, the joke is rude. There's no doubt about it. And I try not to write, well, I may write a bunch of those. I try not to put too many of them in. You know, I try not to perform and have those be kind of a rarity. But I purposely throw it in to give people, I don't know, something a little edgier to think about, you know. But it does piss every once in a while. It'll piss somebody off. Yeah. And um, I don't really worry about it because to me, compared to some really raunchy, dirty professional comics, everything we all do is really clean so i don't feel like it's that bad at all no. uh, in terms of idea or in terms of language but um she was pissed about something because uh, it was a mean joke it was supposed to be done in fun for the people but yeah she didn't look at it all and then i think because i'm mostly pretty clean the people thought it was hilarious that this person stormed out in rage to wander down the street to some other bar wherever she went oh i know um, yeah. you know and so i don't it was weird, I, you know. And everyone's like, well, "Who is this person? Why is she stopping this?" But it's like, hey, you know, whatever. I know. Um, oh. And now we look back and laugh at it. Oh, it was great. It, I mean, those are the moments that when you when you have a drunken girl just storm out. Like as a comic, I wish I wish that happened to me, just so I could just play off. And you played off it very well. You you were real quick to quit because you're you're good when somebody somebody's on to you, but. Uh, Oh my gosh, that that was comedic gold. You, you were given, you were just given, like to me, a gold star for that. That was, oh, we loved it. <laughs> but like I said, the premise of yeah, the I joke think- was it was misspelled baby names, and when will the epidemic of misspelled baby names, you know, and what I I think I bet you, and you said Lexi L X Z Z Y or something like that. I guarantee yeah, you her name yeah. was Lexi, you know, or she had a child named Lexi. There, it had to be something I- like that. It, it has to be. And I love that we're never going to know. It makes it that much better story. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Because oh. if she came back to a show, I wouldn't even recognize her because I don't know who she was, you know. But, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and that's why we do this for the stories, right? Oh, I think so. Ultimately, that is what it's about, the stories. I know, I know. So so in the in the course of, of, of all this, you know, how about me, you know, do you ever talk to younger? Com- well, you, 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 and I do talk to younger comics that that are like starting. When we go to those meetings, like Scotty G throws these meetings before Room Thirty Three shows, and these folks who want to get in on the scene kind of ask questions and da da da. And we do we do like a little form. We help them bump jokes and do whatever if we can. And uh, but do you, do you have advice? Okay, what would you tell a a comic who is in quarantine right now? And thinking about getting into it, or, or daydreaming about it, or making their schmickeroo, learning the ropes, you might say. Yeah, well, what I would tell them is, you know, I haven't been doing this long enough to have a ton of advice, but definitely, definitely use technology. Use YouTube to watch clips that are televised of top professional comics just to absorb what they're doing. At least they'll give you ideas that work, because if it didn't work, they wouldn't have televised it and recorded it. You know, they've gone through a whole process of getting material down to the point that it works great at, at small shows and bigger shows and then finally televising it. And then what you're seeing is an edited televised show. 
Right. So that really helps. Or if you can buy, if you want to buy DVDs or download from their comics websites or whatever, but you know, get the material in to look at it. And, and obviously you spend some time writing mm-hmm. and have, uh, just so you don't bomb horribly the first time, run the jokes by at least one other person, you know, family member, friend, whatever, and then just do it. Yeah, uh, because you'll learn by doing it. But don't be discouraged if you don't do great the first time or the second time. A lot of people are so excited the first time; they have a lot of energy. They do pretty well. But then the second show, they think, "Oh, I'm like a professional comic. I don't need to prepare. I'll just show up." And then they die horribly. All right. So don't be surprised when that happens, because that does happen to everybody. I know. I know. In fact, I made the rookie mistake of that too, because early on when I was getting into my, I had some of my party friends, they would all say, Oh, that ought to be our bit. You ought to do that and do this. I went out and actually did that, but I made the mistake of having them come to my first gig. So they all laughed. That gives me a false sense of, I thought maybe I'm better than I am, but really after that, they didn't come to the next 50 shows. And those next 50 shows were me <laughs> at open mics kind of losing, kind of frying, kind of dying and bombing. But that's what actually built me up because I, I, I hit so many, you know. I, I don't want to say I was bombing, but I was definitely not killing it. I was, I was always at a tepid five. And, and, and I could never, that was the thing. So I always tell young comics, I'm like, you know, t- tell your jokes in front of strangers who don't know you. Because that is kind of a more gay. Your friends are going to tell you you're funny, you know, or your or your friends are going to tell you you're not funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they know yeah. you, they know yeah. you. So that's what I like to tell. And I always, I always tell people, just got to do it. You just got to do it more and more and more and more and more. Right? I mean, I, I, I think that's the only way because you, you, it's like anything. You never stop learning. I feel like. I'm happy with where we're at just because I feel like we are still in the infancy of what we're doing. Some of the people I see, they have certainly more skill and ability, especially if they live in the bigger cities. Yeah. In Pittsburgh or Buffalo, they can do five shows a week, you know, and that really helps to get material down. Um, we have to travel a lot more to do that. So we're lucky to get several a month, maybe, you know, if you're lucky. Yes, um, or several real shows, but yeah, you're right. We, we, you know, yeah. When I was trying to maintain that, you know, I'm traveling, but I'm doing three and four a week ta- on a good week, you know, because we got to get out of Erie to do this, and then you got your weekend shows. But you're right to me. These guys in Buffalo, I see them. No wonder they're so good. That's why I get intimidated when I went to Buffalo because a lot of them comics there, you know, the Jesse Winter halters and the and. And, and Don Johnson and and, the, and Brian Netzel and all those guys and there, there's like yeah. probably about 15 of them and they are all killers and but you see they're doing two and three a night two and three a night and no wonder they end up so sharp you know what I mean so yeah you you can see it in the results you know and it and I I mentioned that so anyone like you say if you're trying to encourage some new people to do it you know don't be intimidated by that because there it takes time for them to to that point and uh, I just like progressing towards that trying to see as far as we can go um, and the fact that we can get shows where we're at now I think well hell anything we do that's better than this is just going to be you know received better so I, hopefully we'll continue on and uh, we just got to get through the virus and get back out there that's kind of what I'm thinking we just got to make them laugh I know that that's what I and and also one one last thing for any young comics out there here's something I'll pass along that I I always have to tell myself whenever because everyone's instinctively a little bit competitive but you got to get that out of your head comedy is not a race to the finish line because there is no finish line and I always say did you make them laugh? I don't care if you're a four-year comic, a two-month comic, or a ten-year comic. If you get out there and you made them laugh, and you like what you did, boom, that's it. That's problem solved. That is that is kind of why we do what we do. You know what I mean? It's not it's not a race. It's not a it's <laughs> it's not a uh, it's not a grudge match it's not it's not a machismo thing no i think it should just be more ask yourself did did we get last did we bring joy bring joy to the world and you know and from there yeah the answer is yes we did our job right 
It's like you're starting religion. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> Although, yeah, I know. Like that. But no, I think you're. I think you're right. I think that's the attitude to have. Because some of the people will get so awkward about it. This person did good or bad in this show or that. You know, I, you can't, if you worried about that, you wouldn't have any fun doing this. Even no. if you were making a lot of money doing it. I know. So I just, you know, even though I see that once in a while, you know, I don't think that's the way to go. I know. I know. I definitely. Definitely. I know. And I, I've had those moments. We all will get those moments. But that and that's another enigma of that is Craig Baxter you you're so ego free like we all admire that you know like you just come in with a smile and a handshake and uh, you leave and you go well I did all right all right and you, you're humble you're humble but confident and that's that you do it for the right reasons and that's why I wanted people to meet you on the pod and I want people to come on out when these shows start happening and uh just 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 enjoy the 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 beauty of a gift that we have craig baxter thanks for calling me man all right yeah thanks so much yeah and i hope people can the shows because we certainly enjoy having you out there oh we'll yeah try not to bomb we'll do our best and uh i look oh. forward to hearing your podcast and uh and subsequent episodes oh uh, yeah yeah encouraging i'm, I'm, I'm gonna... glad you're making your use to the time during the, the during the quarantine so we'll uh We'll see what you come up with here. That's all I can do. I know it's. I, I'm trying to get more meat on the bone, but this is it. This is a good one. This is a good one. I hope everyone enjoys it. Thanks. You be safe. Wash those hands, Craig. And uh, yeah, we will uh, definitely be uh, crossing swords on the uh, next on the next time out. We're out going to make them laugh. Thanks for calling, Craig. Yeah. Love you. Oh, we lost him. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. This is the first time, as you heard earlier, we we're checking it, so I was getting the phone system going. But uh, I'll tighten up the loose ends. We'll have a fresh one for next week. Let's thank Craig Baxter for, for becoming part of this. And next time, I swear I'll be a little calm, thanks to Red Eye Roastery for making me all wigged out today. I'm all uh, shot out of a cannon. I'm all crazy, so... And my first phone-in interview, even though he's a good buddy of mine, a good first phone-in interview, I get a little nervous and the caffeine doesn't help, but uh, that's okay, that's okay. I also want to thank our new sponsors, Red Eye Roastery, redeyeroastery.com. Use the promo code Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at checkout and get yourself free shipping. Check me out on the social media platforms at LT... LTTD on the Twitters. And thanks for listening, folks. We will see ya next week. <laughs> <laughs>